Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 141 of Geek Time Radio and the first one of 2018. So, Happy New Year. This week I have with me Ross. Hello, Dave. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. How are you doing? Bookended the New Year here. That's good. Yes, yes. So, how was your festive season? How, how have you uh, been? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Uh, we've been up and about a bit. We went on holiday, we went to Paris and back, and we've been, you know, working out how to do everyone's family and going around everywhere it's a bit, bit of a bit of a challenge we didn't really rest much we certainly haven't watched much tv i'll let you know in a bit but uh <laughs> yeah it's been it's been quite a quite a quite a holiday how about you yeah yeah been pretty good i uh spent christmas down with my uh my family which is great because i've got two little well they're not that little now they're like eight and <laughs> 10 but uh you know it's always great to do christmas when there are kids around because they get so much more into it you know so yeah that was fun i had a really nice time down there and then i have been watching a lots of tv i binged my way through multiple series of things which i will come on to in a moment fantastic so uh what did you manage to get to see then so uh first things first we finished the punisher yes which in hindsight is one of if not my favorite television program of 2017 yeah no i think that's perfectly fair i thought it, it was a really really solid end to or start to the second phase of of the marvel netflix shows uh or or end to the first phase of marvel netflix shows whichever uh, yeah. i suppose defenders was probably the end of phase one so yeah i i thought this was a really amazing series and uh it's been one of the best marvel netflix series out of all of them not overly superhero-y no I, I, they played that down quite a lot i think that worked really well you know it, it just very well written interesting dark drama yeah it was it, in fact it actually when we were talking about tv shows that were this year um I, it actually made me forget about the defenders and i like the defenders but yeah. i was just was that this year as well yeah but yes oh of course yeah yeah well, absolutely i really liked it particularly even over the defenders and like you i really like the defenders but i thought this was definitely a step up and if yeah. if this is the quality that they're going for moving forward i'm definitely looking forward to the rest of them so uh, speaking of netflix i also finished godless uh which we might have talked about last time yes we did i still haven't got around to it yet but yes it was it was it was a slow burn it is only six maybe 
six, maybe eight episodes. It's a short series. I don't think they're planning on doing any more. But uh, yeah, that was ter- really, really terrific. Really terrific. So worth yes. a go. But like we say, Dave, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, this last weekend I played... Uh, now, funnily enough, this is also... This is a game that um, if I'd have played it a couple of weeks before, it would have been my favorite game of 2017. But I actually technically played it this year. Not last. <laughs> it's a shame. It was called uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. And uh, it's a really good sort of... You know those um, like walking sim games like Firewatch or... or um, Oh yeah, it's gone to the rapture, but it's it's like head and tails so much better than them, uh, and so much better than I think it's the best video. It's certainly the best video game story I played this year, maybe ever. But it's up there. I'll have to go and look that one up. It's, it's really end to end. It's about two, maybe three hours, so you can get through it really quickly. Yeah, but I recommend it to absolutely. The things it does that the the gameplay in in parts is so. Uh, I don't want to say like it it you know circumvents the genre or anything, but it really does. <laughs> like it, yeah. I didn't expect half of it to happen the way it did, but. It, it's it, it's terrific. It's hard to explain to someone what it is, but um, basically there is a person who goes around their old house where they don't live anymore and they've had a really big family and it just explains what's happened to put them in the situation that they're in. But yeah, okay. it's, really, it's terrific. It's really terrific. Yeah, I it's on, uh, it is on Steam. So, because you know I don't really game on anything other than PC at the moment. So... Uh, Do you know what's funny? I, actually, there's, there's one particular part that is... Is played a particular way on on a on a controller that I I've no idea how they do on on a key- keyboard. So I'd encourage you to play it with a keyboard and mouse, and then we can talk about it. I'll, I'll have a look. I, I've been looking for something new to play, so uh, I will. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like that, I say, it's only it's only two three hours, so it's not going to you know. But I, I definitely want to go back to it. Yeah, um, I I will go and download that later. Definitely. Really good. Uh, yeah, so then uh, stuff came back, Modern Family's back, which we've been waiting for, and uh, Goldberg's is back as well. Um, yeah. One thing that's been playing non-stop in my house, Dave, is Big Brother, uh, which my <laughs> wife is well into. I, that That's grounds for divorce, surely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It's, it's on in the background while I'm doing something else, because uh, it's pretty good. I've been trying to find, I've talked to you about this before, I've been trying to find new interesting ways of playing video games whilst she's watching yeah. whatever on TV. And I found that actually streaming your PlayStation 2, you know, if you've got a MacBook or a Windows laptop, um, it works really well. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's perfect because I'm like, when she puts on things like, uh, say, uh, Hobby City, I'm sort of vaguely, I'm like, oh, I know who that person is, so it's interesting what's happening. So I, at the corner of my eye, I'm secretly paying attention. But when Big Brother's on, I can switch completely off, which is great. So it's <laughs> a good uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Oh, it's yeah. uh, I just terrible terrible choice in viewing that's uh, uh yeah well i've got to get them into black mirror so what i might start doing is while she watches you know she while she watches big brother i can watch black mirror or something catch up with something yes some some decent quality tv not the utter trash that your <laughs> wife is watching what i've got to do is i'm told i'm told that uh is, is, is black end-to-end black mirror so is one to four yeah is that right yes with a with one special in the middle of it yes is all of it good because they're not connected are they so no could, they're not connected could only watch the good ones um if... yes it's knowing what the good ones are i guess but right. I, I mean i i would say even a bad episode of black mirror is probably better than quite a lot of the other drama that's out there but if, but if i asked someone say someone i knew who knew a lot about tv and did podcasts and things, <laughs> it, could could someone like that curator do you think that's something that's quite 
or, or, or is it is it that some people like some ones and some people don't like other ones? Is it divisive or is it just there is a, these there is a certain amount of that. There are one or two episodes which are universally hailed as being the best ones. I think, right. but yeah, I, I I think some of it will be you might like the episodes, whereas some other people might not. So, so, so I should just watch all of them. Yeah, I I would go through and watch all of them. They're not. I mean, there aren't that many. Although it's four seasons, there's only like what six episodes or eight yeah. episodes a season. So it's it's not like there's a lot to get through, and they're all kind of interesting stories in their own way. You know, I mean, they're in the latest season, which was one of the shows which I binged watch while I was off. Yes. Uh, the the latest season, there is. One particular episode which I could well do without. It's I think it's the one before the f- last episode. The last episode is brilliant. That's called Black Museum. The episode before that is kind of a black and white thing, and it's good, but it it's it feels a bit like a a clever student film, you know, oh, okay, which they've right. pushed into sort of black and white to save some budget, you know. <laughs> um, right. Do you know and, I, what's funny about that, Dan? Let's see what you think of this. We were going to watch Logan the other day because it's on uh, Now TV or something. And they have the the, the Logan Noir cut, which is the, the same film, exactly the same film, but in black and white. What, what do you think of that? Is that good or is that rubbish? I, I don't know. I don't really see the point. <laughs> I think that's probably rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't really see the point. Uh, in that particularly for something like Logan like they did the same thing they released a version of The Walking Dead in black and white for the okay. opening episode and I, I sort of get that more because the comic book is in black and white so, I see. so it makes sense in that particular case yeah although I don't think even the comic book of old man Logan was in black and white I'm pretty sure it wasn't <laughs> no I'm pretty sure it wasn't so I get it with Walking Dead although I still don't think if you've shot it in colour and it's like done for color then why would you watch it in black and white <laughs> it doesn't really make any any sense i tell you what i'll watch it and maybe it'll be atmospheric and change the game completely and i will tell you that it's the best movie of last year logan black and white yeah maybe maybe um i tend to doubt it <laughs> yeah i um, yeah i i mean fair enough if they want to do that but it seems like a weird extra to add on sure you know so, but yeah, I mean, o- other stuff that I've been watching, binge watch your way through Travelers season two, which is a great series, but gets even more convoluted in the second season. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's a really good series. I thoroughly enjoy it. But this is this one that it's based around the idea that travelers from the future come back and it they send their consciousnesses back into bodies that are about to die in like horrific accidents. Yes. I think you've spoken of this before, yeah. So it's a Canadian series. It has very much the feel of those sort of Canadian series. Stars, I can't think of the guy's name. It's the guy that's Will in Will and Grace, anyway. Um, yeah. But it's him is is the uh, main lead. And there's a little kind of group of them. That's a really solid sci-fi series. Uh, it's from one of the creators of Stargate, the one that didn't do Dark Matter. I can't remember his name either. I mean, names have completely escaped me today. So... Uh, <laughs> So yes, that's really worth watching. That's on Netflix. I've been watching quite a lot of Netflix, actually. I watched Bright, which is the Will Smith movie, which when it was released towards the end of last year, was getting reviews that were saying, oh, it's the worst movie of the year yes. and you know everybody should avoid it like the play. Rubbish. 
absolute rubbish. <laughs> I'm not saying it's like Citizen Kane or anything, but it's it's a ser- perfectly serviceable, fun, silly, entertaining two-hour movie. If anything, it would have been much better as a full series. Because yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, you're fe- you, you are kind of missing quite a lot of the background. It's a lovely concept, I think, for for a uh, TV show in that it's sort of shot in the style of End of Watch, if you've ever seen that. So yeah. that sort of gritty cop drama. But it happens to be set in a modern day universe, which has evolved from a sort of Lord of the Rings-esque universe, where 2000 years ago, there was a big battle and there was ogres and you know fairies and elves. And it's all kind of come into what we would now think as modern day but there yeah. just happens to be areas that are controlled by elves do, do you know what I've, what I've heard about it is that um like i've heard that tv thing before and i've heard that do, do you have a training day yeah you know how it's like it's they're, they're not like taking on the world it's just quite a small thing not much actually physically happens it's like they're not changing that many lives yeah whereas in, if if i'm not wrong in, in in bright they they it's quite a big thing they handle right it's quite a big yeah the big yeah. bad is pretty large so i think you know if you if you t- because i think the world in that instance is interesting enough that you don't need to go that big on it you can keep it quite <laughs> small and you can talk about you know like you say if you did it in a series you could talk about the general things that they that they go through you know, yeah you you almost just you almost just want to see a bit more of the the background. You want to see a bit more of of the yeah, sort of yeah the build up and what it's like for these various different areas. And you want them to flesh out that world. They are making a second one. I mean, it did incredibly well for Netflix. It was like the the fastest downloaded film they've ever had. I think yeah. uh, so. It's done very well for them, and I am quite glad they're doing a second one because. I would be interested to see what they kind of tweak and how they change the story. The story itself is fairly mundane, you know, if in terms of plot points, you know, they've just, it's got this sort of sheen of this kind of interesting background to it. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not brilliant. It's like a three out of five star movie for me. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. It's, yeah. it's free, isn't it? So yeah, exactly. And you know, you didn't it didn't pay anything for it, apart from like your monthly Netflix subscription, yeah. which you're going to do anyway. So there's that. But yeah, I would say if if you've been put off by the reviews, don't just go and watch it. Don't expect too much. But if you want a silly kind of take your brain out for two hour movie <laughs> you know to just and it's just fun and the banter between will smith and joel legton is perfectly entertaining and so i yeah i i would say go and watch it it's good so other things over the festive period obviously the doctor who christmas special which was uh, great. I think it was really interesting. There was a kind of quite a small story in some respects. There was some really nice little bits to it, particularly the regeneration scene I thought was lovely. The way that they did that together and got Peter Capaldi got to give a, a quite a big sort of speech of of you know things that you shouldn't shouldn't do and then regenerates <laughs> and uh, and it ends with uh, the, with Jody kind of appearing and uh, then falling out of the TARDIS almost immediately. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting way to start it with the Doctor separated from the TARDIS, whether, uh, how that, that's going to play into when they uh, start the new season, which will be sometimes probably in the autumn, I would suspect. So that was really good. 
also on Netflix, I finally got around to watching Manhunt Unibomber, which we've talked about a bit before because we interviewed Derek P. Carlson, who's the production designer on the show. Did you watch Mindhunter? No, I didn't. Mindhunter. A lot of people liked it, I know. Yes, Mindhunter on Netflix is a fabulous, fabulous drama, well worth going to watch. Um, And again, it's about 10 episodes long, but it's a really solid drama. And if you like Mindhunter, go and watch Manhunt Unibomber. They're very similar in terms of feel because you know it's a group of FBI agents hunting in Mindhunter's case it's uh, serial killers in this case it's the Unibomber which I suppose technically is a serial killer because he did mail bombs to people but yeah. <laughs> um, just very nicely well put together drama I purposely didn't go and look up too much exactly what happened to the Unibomber beforehand um, mm. there are some reports about what they did to the story to make it work and whether uh, the guy that he's playing the lead had as much influence as he did but that was a, a similar situation to me and uh, the trial of OJ Simpson <laughs> yes yes because I didn't, a, I didn't know much about that at all but that, yeah. was, that was a really enjoyable series actually yeah I mean you know if you like those sort of true crime things certainly Certainly Manhunt Unibomber is definitely one to go and watch. I thought it's a really solid series. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, that's on Netflix right now if you want to go and watch that. And the the other things, uh, Black Mirror, obviously, uh, we talked about. And uh, The Orville, which I'm still watching, which is just getting better and better. And they've actually said that in season two, they, they're probably going to knock the jokes down even more and play it more as a sci-fi, which is kind of interesting. And I like the jokes and the banter, but it works so well as a, you know, almost a parody of, it's not even a parody as a sort of, homage to uh, the next generation that you know if they're going to like lean into that a bit more I that's absolutely fine with me I think you know there's some really interesting stories on on that that are very much next generation stories whereas Discoveries I love as well which is doing its own thing but I think the Orville's superb and uh, yeah certainly if you're a fan of Star Trek and next generation the Orville's well worth going to watch that's all the stuff that I've been doing. There's a couple of other bits which, uh, yeah, we've started to hit award season now. So, uh, Golden Globes, which were announced last night because we're recording this on the Monday. So uh, mm. that was the first sort of major American awards, which I'll ignore the film category, but there was some interesting stuff in the TV category. Big Little Lies picked up four awards, uh, Best Limited Series, one for Nicole Kidman, one for Laura Dern, and one for Alexander Skarsgård, yeah, which, uh, so it's uh, that's going to be interesting to see how well that does in sort of further award ceremonies. What I was really happy about was the marvellous Mrs. Maisel picked up two awards, uh, one for Best Comedy and one for... Uh, Rachel the uh, Bruce Hannon, who is the lead in the show. If you've not caught that, it is one of the funniest comedies I saw last year. It's brilliant. It's from the writers of and the creators of Gilmore Girls. So if you like that sort of snappy Gilmore Girls humour, and it it does follow that style, but. Um, it's about this housewife that ends up kind of becoming a stand-up comic in the 50s. Where can I find this, Dave? It's on Amazon, Amazon Prime. You can find that. So well worth going to watch if you've not seen that. Handmaid's Tale picked up two awards, one for Elizabeth Moss and one for Best Drama Series. This Is Us, one for uh, Sterling K. Brown, picked up an award for Best Actor in a Drama 
Uh, first time an African-American actor's actually won that award, incredibly. Uh, you know, in t- 2018, I can't believe yeah. it's 2018 and that's the first time an African-American actor's won that, but there you go. Uh, Ewan McGregor won for limited series in Fargo, which I think's truly deserved, given that yeah. he was doing double duty on that. And uh, <laughs> as is Azari won for Master of None for Best Comedy. Uh, Would you like comedy. to hear something about that, Dave, actually? While we were, t- we were talking about, I, I, I asked my wife, because I'm interested in her opinion, why favourite TV shows and films were and i think i think master of none was run away my favorite comedy of last year yeah yeah quite, quite a way actually it's really it's a shame because it came out quite early that i you know it wasn't at the forefront of my mind but it was really really good so definitely worth a go yeah i it's one of those that i really need to get to and i still haven't watched yet and i know i should but i i really need to get to that so there's there's obviously there's the golden globes but you know they're tiny little award show compared to the nobody geek cares. Town. <laughs> nobody cares about that compared to the geek town awards which uh also we we drew um so the winners for that have all been announced and they've all been sent their packages and stuff the winners are all up on the website there were some interesting things i'm not going to go through all the categories because you know that'll take forever but a couple of interesting little bits that popped up in this we had an argument with somebody about whether the handmaid's tale is a is a sci-fi because it won best non-sci-fi drama category and somebody did point out that it won the Arthur C. Clarke Award uh, oh. when it, when the book was released. So how could it be a non-sci-fi show? And I kind of think at this point, you could argue that it's not really a sci-fi show. Yeah. I mean, it sort of is, but it sort of isn't. So I, yeah, I, I stand by putting that in there. But yes, that won that category. Fargo obviously won Best Limited Series. Um, I thought Best Comedy Series was was interesting. Yeah. Best New Comedy, uh, Lemony Snicket winning that. I, see, I've heard so much about The Good Place and having watched it i know it's really good i thought that would, would storm it but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. well i mean good place came third got, got the bronze yeah. award uh bounty hunters did incredibly well got uh got the silver which is um jack whitehall's show and then yeah lemony snicket picked up top which i i thought was interesting because i didn't know whether the netflix dramas would score as highly yes uh because they were netflix and you know so i wonder whether that have have an effect on it but apparently not you know so uh, so that took the top spot for best comedy returning comedy series of course was big bang because it's always big bang best new comic book series surprised me marvels and humans yes best new comic book series i think was probably the biggest shot because uh gifted got the bronze award defenders got the silver but yeah marvels and humans no legion no punisher no tick the tick was great and i I, yeah i mean that beat the defenders and the punisher which didn't even place whether people just hadn't got around to watching it at that point i don't know because i'm under the impression that marvels and humans was generally very poorly received so interesting that that yeah i mean uh, it it certainly was in america i mean it didn't do particularly well i think we've still got it on a 50 50 chance of being renewed because it was sort of pushed on abc in the first place from marvel and abc didn't really want it and they were told you're airing it anyway (laughs) so they ran it for the one series it was only like eight episodes anyway so whether it will get renewed i don't know because it may map into some larger plan for them so maybe they'll insist on a second series so we don't know at the moment but um, yeah, very popular with the British public, which I thought was surprising, you know, and it and it was like that from the start. It wasn't like it got to a certain point, somebody had posted it on a message board and suddenly it shot up. Yeah. And it wasn't like it was top of the list. So people were just 
randomly you know people definitely chose it it was uh, yeah it was an odd choice but there I, you go. I also think uh the game of the year was i thought um zelda would have stormed that as well yeah you see i but i think that does suffer from the fact that there were probably more people that have things that will play yeah, assassin's creed because yeah, assassin's creed console, origins yeah. assassin's creed origins one game of the year i was quite happy to see south park um, yeah, trick yeah. up the uh, bronze award for that. I thought that was good. Um, I was also really happy. Best female performance, Renona Ryder picked up that for Stranger Things, which I was really happy about because usually that goes to a Game of Thrones actor. Like, I mean, the uh, Peter Dinklage won best male performance and Kit Harrington was second. So uh, Amelia Clark got the, got the uh, silver award in the film females, but uh, I was really happy to see Renona Ryder pick up the uh, the gold for that. So that was really good. Uh, and then movies, movie of the guardians of the galaxy volume two i thought the most anticipated series of next year took me by surprise as well lost in space won that which i thought was an interesting oddity because uh we've got castle rock and runaways were the bronze and silver award awards but lost in space which is a netflix remake of the original 60s series i yeah i was really surprised but that's the one that came out on top yeah, um, compared to everything else so that was a, that was an odd one it just shows you netflix knows their audience that's true um, most anticipated game was obviously going to be red dead redemption 2 because uh, you know yes. i i did wonder if last of us might just get close to it but uh yeah. it, it when you looked at the actual percentages red dead yeah, redemption like, was way ahead like you said about zelda it's interesting that um because the last was two is console exclusive isn't it so yeah and i mean red dead was console exclusive as well so oh, yeah 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 because it's never had a pc release that and oh so, yeah well there you go but i mean like last of us two is only on the playstation isn't uh, it so. yeah i'm not sure whether last uh, whether red dead one i think it probably has come out on multiple platforms now but yeah i I had it on the Xbox, so I'm sure yeah. my wife had it on PlayStation. So yeah, so yes, so may, maybe it's that, maybe it's the fact that it was PlayStation exclusive, but uh, yeah. but yeah, no, so I I kind of, that's exactly what I thought oh, was wow. going to happen. Most anticipated movie, that's another shocker, that's a, but, what a strange... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I was surprised, I mean, so most anticipated movie, uh, Fantastic Beasts, I'm not surprised that Fantastic Beasts took the bronze, because there are an awful lot of Harry Potter fans out there. <laughs> So Fantastic yes. Beasts, Crimes of Griswold, that took the third place. Silver went to Infinity War, but Deadpool 2 came out on top. And admittedly, those two were incredibly close. Oh, I was going to say, that they, Infinity War I thought would have had it, but yeah, I, I imagine they'd have been close. Yeah, but I mean, that list also had uh, Jurassic World in there, and I know there's a lot of Jurassic Park fans. There's Incredibles 2 is in there, and Ready Player One as well, which I, I think there's a lot of people that are going to love that movie. I hope. So, if the it's thing about Ready Player One is, to, to me, the trailer looked like like a lot of references, like a lot of references, yes. a lot of a lot of which did not land with me. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine that people of my age bracket are going to be too into that movie. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, they've they've changed a lot of the references for the movie that from all the eighties references because the book is very eighties, right. um, and it it might be a little bit of a shame that they've they've updated it so much because there's things from like that I know in the trailer there's characters from Overwatch and stuff so I don't oh, know oh okay right okay um, so I don't know that that's kind of interesting but uh, but yeah I, overall some some interesting stuff out in the awards this year but uh, thanks to all the thousands of people that entered because there were thousands of you this year uh, right. thanks to everybody that entered we will be back next November late November to launch the uh, be the 
seventh time we've done it then. So uh, it will come back in November, and I don't know what the prize will be. We'll find out when we get to the end of the year, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we'll we'll launch hopefully into the big prize package for everybody. So, um, but yes, thank you to everybody that entered. And uh, there, if you want to go to geektown.co.uk forward slash awards, you'll find all the uh, various different winners and stuff if you want to go and see who you voted for and who won. That's all that. With all that stuff out of the way, let's move on to some TV and film news. Kick off the TV and film news this week with some air date updates because we're right at the start of the year, so not that much yeah. around. But uh, The Gifted has been renewed for a second season, which I know a lot of people are very happy about. I think that was a good call. They've also announced that there is a new Prison Break series in the works which I think is is quite good news because they did originally say they had no plans for it earlier in the year. And now that they're saying that uh, there is a new series in the works, but it's very early development at the moment, so the chances are that's probably not going to turn up until 2019, I wouldn't have thought. But uh, I'm quite happy to see that back because I, I enjoyed the last series. I thought it was fun. So um, looking forward to that coming back. They confirmed that New Girl will be ending for with its seventh and final season, which they had already announced, uh, but they've confirmed that it will be an eight-episode run and but end with a one-hour finale. So if you're a fan of New Girl, that's to look forward to. And uh, FX is also in the US has picked up the Sons of Anarchy spin-off, which is called Mayans MC, and that is going to series, which looks brilliant. So, I was going to say, I imagine that would be pretty popular. Yes, Sons of Anarchy was such a good show, so I'm very much looking forward to that coming. Anything that puts you back in that world. Huh. Uh, if you're not a fan of, fan of kind of bikes and uh, motorbike gangs and all that sort of stuff, just try it, because... I found it an incredibly entertaining series, particularly it was one of those things that kept on popping up when I was watching Breaking Bad and Netflix kept on saying, try this show, try this show. So eventually I thought, I, and I'd looked at it and thought, I don't want to watch a thing about motorbike gangs. <laughs> and uh, eventually I went, fine, I'll watch it. I think I was actually suffering through a cold at the time. So I was stuck on the sofa. I was like, oh, fine, I'll oh, watch no. it. And massively got into it and binged watched about three seasons in four days, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, just an amazing show really really well worth uh, watching if you've not caught the original Sons of Anarchy so I'm so happy that spin-off is happening moving on to bigger news stories first one concerns Robbie Amell who is uh, cousin to Arrow's Stephen Amell and uh, also the original one half of Firestorm before he got killed off spoilers I know in, uh, <laughs> he has joined a sci-fi comedy pilot called Upload for Amazon the show is set in a future where humans are able to upload themselves into their preferred choice of afterlife. So when Nathan, played by Amel, meets his early death, he's greeted by Nora in his version of Heaven. Uh, the series follows the two as Nathan grows accustomed to life away from his loved ones, while the alive Nora struggles to stay afloat working her job alongside Nathan in the afterlife. Kind of interesting, high-concept series, it uh, sounds like. It's written by Greg Daniels, who was the writer of the US version of The Office. So it's got a fairly solid guy behind it. I, I really like Robbie. I think he's a really solid actor. So, um, yeah, I don't know. This does sound a little bit like The Good Place. Yeah. I, although it's, I mean, it is a comedy and it is a high-concept comedy. But Do they I, have jobs in the afterlife somehow? And, well, I mean... This he says. I don't know whether he does. I mean, it's it sounds like she is alive, but he is dead. Yeah, so, the alive Nora. 
yeah. Yeah, the alive Nora. So I'm not entirely sure how that fits together. Um, name, like, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. It says a pilot for Amazon at the moment. So um, I don't know whether that's going to get a release to the public for voting, which is you know what they have done in the past yeah. with pilots. They're going to stop doing that because it's a pain, basically. Because <laughs> um, if you can imagine making a pilot and then you have to pull this out for public voting, that takes way too long. And then they have to go back and make sure that everybody's available again before they can actually start shooting it. And it's so I think that's what's been the problem with it. They've just said it's it's causing a lot of production issues and stuff. So they're actually going to stop doing this, the public voting pilot season, or they've said that they're dramatically cutting down on it. So it might not come out for pilot. They might just, uh, they might just do it internally and then decide whether they're going to get it or not. It's an interesting one. I would be interested to see that because it's an intriguing sounding idea. Moving on, Sci-Fi and Netflix have announced that they've commissioned Night Flyers, which um, I'm sure you must have been on a show at some point when we've talked about Night Flyers, because we've talked about this, I don't know how many it times. doesn't ring a bell. Right, okay. <laughs> maybe you weren't, maybe you missed Set them up. So Night Flyers, it's based on a novella which was written by George R.R. R. Martin, he of Game of Thrones, and there was also a fairly dodgy 1987 film made based around the concept as well. In the original story, George's original novella, it's set in the future, it's on the eve of Earth's destruction, there's a team of scientists and a telepath who take a journey aboard the Night Flyer, which is the most advanced ship in the galaxy they're going to intercept an alien spacecraft which they believe might hold the key to their survival as the crew nears the destination they discover that the ship's artificial intelligence along with the captain who is rather reclusive and won't come and talk directly to the crew may be steering them into a deadly and unspeakable horrors out in the dark reaches of space so the original book was sort of more dark horror and i think this may be steering slightly towards more sci-fi because when George has talked about it before he's saying they have made a number of changes from that original description in the book so Ooh. I don't know exactly how they're going to have altered it but uh... yeah um you, you know the, the, the thing that strikes me about that is the thing that funnily enough is the thing that struck me about the good place as well if you think about uh Star Trek for example what they have to start and finish in the same place vaguely I mean they can have overarc but they, they they have to sort of there has to be a norm for which from which they deviate right yeah. Um, but the, the thing about the good place that got me is by the end of the first season, I was like, well, there's, how do they yeah. keep this up? And this strikes like the same thing. Like that sounds like a great plot of a movie or a book, but with a, a, a I mean, I don't know how long this is going to run or anything, but I think it'd be interesting to see where they take it because it doesn't yeah. seem to set up for that. Here's the norm. Like eventually they've got to get there, right? They've got to get to this alien ship. I know exactly what you're saying. It's very difficult to figure out. And I suspect that why they've, tweaked the story points to a certain extent i mean george has been in touch with them has seen the script listen to you george (laughs) yeah george mr martin has been in touch (laughs) with them and uh he is happy with it as he says he's very happy with it he's not having any direct involvement with it because he's on an exclusivity deal with hbo although i i think he's technically on as an exec producer but he's not actually working on it as such that he's but he has 
has taken a look over the stuff that they've been doing and has been posting about it and saying, you know, he's quite happy with the changes you know that they made. Um, so it's, it looks kind of interesting. Uh, the cast as well has been announced. The stars Gretchen Moll, who was in Boardwalk Empire, and um, the US remake of Life on Mars, I seem to remember, was the other thing oh. I remember from. But uh, yeah, she was quite a prominent character in uh, Boardwalk Empire. Eon Mackin, who was in the night shift. You've got David Agilea, who was in Fast and Furious. Sam Strike, who apparently was in EastEnders, but I haven't watched EastEnders for a very long time. Uh, Maya Eshit from Team Wolf. Angus Samson, who was in Fargo. Uh, Jodie Turner-Smith, who's in Last Ship. A few other people as well. So, I mean, it's it's got quite an interesting cast to it. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that are involved in Suits as well, for oh, some right. bizarre reason. The various exec producers apparently have been working on suits and have all come across there's also a lot of people that are involved in the remake of jacob's ladder which was a 80s or 90s film and they're they're doing a remake of it including the guy that's writing it uh, it's a guy called jeff Buhler, who is yeah, the writer of Jacob's Ladder and has written a few other things as well. And one of the guys from The Blacklist, he, who he's serving as showrunner. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting eclectic mix of people that are are involved in sort of legal dramas behind the scenes, um, yeah. which is a, a... And people that are involved in... I mean, Jacob's Ladder was kind of a very weird kind of dark horror thing. So, yes, very interesting mix of things. But uh, quite looking forward to that. I think it should be quite good. It's shooting in Ireland as George said, we killed off enough people in Game of Thrones, so you could have potentially used quite a lot of their cast. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it'll be shooting in Ireland. He originally said that they were aiming for late summer this year, so late summer, autumn. That seems like a fairly quick turnaround for a sci-fi series to me. Yeah. Um, I suspect that may be later than that. We all know that George is not the best judge of time, uh, <laughs> given how long it's taken him to write his last book. I was going to so, say, all this, all this talking about reading scripts and I wants to get writing this book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, where's the damn book, George? <laughs> yes, one to watch out for. It's going out on sci-fi in the US. It will go out on Netflix in the UK. So we should get it around about the same time that the US does because they're Netflix are co-producing look out for it around the autumn sometime I guess see whether it does pop up then or it may be next year we'll have to wait and see and then finally into in the news this probably excites me more than it excites you because you probably <laughs> oh, have no. no idea what this show is um, I, remember the, I remember Animaniacs the, yes Hulu are making a remake of Animaniacs the just phenomenal cartoon series which was from Steven Spielberg and Am TV and uh, if you've never seen it it involves around three characters who were called the Warner siblings called Yakko, Wacko and Dot and uh, they used to live in the water tower the Warner Brothers water tower that iconic kind of symbol and break out every episode cause havoc and it had a kind of sketch show feel to it so you had other characters like the good feathers who were like based on the goodfellas movie you had slappy squirrel who was a grumpy cartoon veteran who lives with her annoyingly upbeat nephew called skippy uh, and pinky in the brain which was a 
glorious cartoon about a very intelligent lab mouse and his idiot counterpart who tried to break out every episode and take over the world. It was anarchic, stupid, wonderfully funny humour. And I adored this cartoon as a kid. And uh, even as a teen, I thought it was it was one of those things that was obviously aimed for laughs at the kids, but had very much another level to it that was aimed at the adults. And there was sort of knowing winks to cameras. So I think it was it's one of the most entertaining cartoon series they, that uh, certainly Spielberg has ever made. And uh, Spielberg is exec producing again. There's two seasons of it they've picked up for Hulu. I think they're 10 episodes each, something like that. Really, I... I thoroughly enjoyed this so I'm, I'm looking forward to it coming back uh, I don't know where it'll land over here but I really really hope somebody picks it up because it's amazing yeah I remember Animaniacs vaguely I remember it's been one of those one of those TV shows like a, occasionally uh, Bugs Bunny would do a quite adult joke um, <laughs> the same thing would happen in say uh, I guess The Simpsons, but if if you're, a, I know The Simpsons isn't really for children. That one doesn't really count. But um, and if you're a child, you're enjoying that they're, they're they're sort of wacky and they're doing crazy stuff and it's quite slapstick a lot of it. But if you watch it when you Toy Story is a great example of this. There are some there are some quite dark jokes in Toy Story. Yeah, and. Um, if you're an adult and you're watching that, it's it almost better because you enjoy the and you see the slapsticks happening and the child in you is like, oh, that's pretty funny. But the, the, those, like you said, those winks to camera and those, you know, um, yeah. really good. Really looking forward to that. If yeah. it comes out, which I hope it does. Yes, I, I really hope somebody picks it up. It's annoying because it's one of those things that would sit great on like Netflix, but yes. it's made by Hulu. So there is no way on earth it's ever going to end up on Netflix. Also, um, the thing about Netflix is they could do what they want then, like uh, Big Mouth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see. Hopefully maybe Comedy Central or even Cartoon Network, you know, someone like that yeah, picks it up good. over here. That would be great, but uh, we'll see. So that's all the news for this week. Next up, we have the interview. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The interview this week is with the composer Jeff Russo. This is the fourth time Emmy-winning composer Jeff Russo has been on the show. Uh, he's been nominated for Emmy three times, uh, two times for a Grammy as well. He's really on the top of his game and has been extremely busy. We've been trying to get him on for quite a while, around 18 months since we last talked to him, but he's been really hard to pin down, mainly because of the amount of stuff that he's been doing He's composed a number of shows that I'm sure you will know. He works on Emmy and Golden Globe winning series Fargo. Uh, he's been working on The Night Of, American Gothic, Snowfall, which was a great show on BBC Two over here at Ed, Lucifer, Bull, Ghosted, 
Power, Channel Zero, and the utterly brilliant Legion. So we talked to him a bit about that. However, the main thing we wanted him on to talk about is his latest composing gig, which is writing the music for Star Trek Discovery, which has just returned this week on Netflix over here. So we talk about how it was tackling such a monumental project with such a rich history. We also chat a little bit about creating the music for the wonderfully bonkers Legion, because I love that series and uh, the music is as unbelievably ridiculous as the rest of the show is. So uh, it's a really entertaining interview. It's about 30 minutes long because there's so much stuff to talk to. So uh, here's the interview with Jeff. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Hiya, Jeff. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, good. I, I went through and looked at the shows I think you've done since we last spoke, which was, what, 18 months ago. Oh. The Night Of, American Gothic, Fargo, Snowfall, Lucifer, Bull, Ghosted, Power, Legion, <laughs> Channel Zero, and Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say you yeah. need a break. <laughs> I do, I do. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm currently working on the finale, the finale of... Of, um, Star Trek. So once wow. once I get that done, things things will start to slow a little bit. I, I've started work on season two of Legion, which will also take up a good deal of time. Yeah. Well, obviously, a lot of the other things are not. Snowfall season two hasn't begun yet. I have a couple of shows that begin airing this year that I finished already, which you didn't mention. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, a couple of the other shows are, are done. So it's like everything sort of transitions to the other and there's there when it when it is the craziest is when there's a lot of overlap and and in the yeah. last like in october november and december there was a significant amount of overlap which is why there was a significant lack of sleep um, <laughs> in my studio everybody my, my whole team and myself have been sort of burning the candle at both ends for a while yeah it's insane i mean if we go through a few of the, uh, the bits i mean discovery obviously is is probably the biggest thing to land you know because it's such a huge license how did that gig come to you and what was your first reaction when you got it uh, you know it was it was one of those things where it was like being sort of in the right place at the right time I was I was on a camping trip with my kids and one of the other kids on the camping trip who they're in school with my, my children, I was sitting there talking to the parents or, the mo- or this particular um, child's mother. We were sitting there and chatting and just uh, without knowing what the other person did, um, you know, she was like, so what do you, you know, what do you do? What are you working on? And I said, oh, you know, I write music. I'm a composer. And she said, oh, you know, anything I've seen. I, I said, I, you know, maybe I, at the time I'd finished um, the, the Night Of and Fargo season two. And she's like, oh, my God, I love the Night Of. It's really great. Great. And, yeah. you know, and I said, oh, so what do you do? She said, I'm a producer. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I said, oh, that's, you know, great. What are you working on? She said, I, I'm, I'm just starting Star Trek Discovery. And I said, wow, that's awesome. And she said, are you a fan? Would you be interested in writing the music for it? We're, we're looking for a composer. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I've been a, I've been a um, Star Trek fan my whole my whole life. So that's that was the sort of beginning of it. And then she said, oh, I should set up a meeting with you and Aaron and Gretchen, the two showrunners. And uh, then you guys talk about it. And, and I did. I went in and, and 
and had a meeting with them, talked about, you know, their ideas as to what the music should be and, and what I thought I could add to that and how, how I thought, um, what, you know, what my contribution to that could be. And we ended up hitting it off and, and really <laughs> sort of seeing eye to eye on, on how to uh, do music um, for Star Trek in a way that was at the same time acknowledging the past and yet trying to take it into the future in terms of what it could sound like. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the trickiest thing with something like Star Trek over pretty much anything else you've done is it has such a weighty history behind it that you're having to suddenly tackle and also look back a bit at some of the other stuff particularly the theme which i love had has a wonderful bit of that the sort of start and the end of it particularly sort of feed into the traditional theme and then you know it does its own thing in the middle but still is very star trekky and then kind of comes out with the the other horns at the end and stuff it's just lovely thank you one of the one of the most difficult things when dealing with a franchise that has a very particular sound and a very particular way of doing things. You know, and I mean, in particular, Star Trek, because of not just the franchise, not just the the canon of what the music sounds like, but who are the people who wrote this music. I mean, Alexander Courage and Jerry Goldsmith. And, you know, these are some of the greatest composers of our time. You know, and I say our time, obviously, this is sort of one previous generation to me. But to to try to compete with that is an impossibility. Yeah. So the the thought is i'm not trying to be like them i'm not trying to do what they did i'm not trying to do what james horner did in wrath of khan which happens to be my favorite of the of the movie scores yeah. um and also by the way not trying to do what michael giacchino did in the movies but to try to stay within the vernacular of the show like mm-hmm. i i know what the show sounds like i've been watching star trek my entire life yeah. almost every iteration of star trek there were a few i i i deliberately missed. I never watched Enterprise. Um, and I didn't get to see the last couple of seasons of Voyager, but, um, basically every other version of it I've, I've watched and every movie I've seen. The the trick is to not try to do something else. Like, no, I'm not, I don't want to be them. I don't, I I can't compete with Jerry Goldsmith. I can't compete with James Horner. I can't compete with Alexander Courage, but to try to just carry on the tradition of the way that sounds, you know, and like, right the way I write, you know, um, I, I tend to write from a very emotional standpoint. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, how to tell this story with an emotional core and to give that a grounded connection. You know, mm. we, we have a lot of, we do have action and I, I wanted to score the action like a swashbuckling action adventure show, which we do. I think telling the story from Michael Burnham's perspective where she has an emotional connection to the story and she's she's telling the story that's connected to her heart. You know, a yeah. lot of the story connects her and Giorgio and how their relationship began and what happened to their relationship and how her death affected her. And I know that's a spoiler alert if you haven't <laughs> yeah. watched the whole show, but I'm assuming that people have seen yes. through episode one. That's what I'm assuming. So I can talk about what has happened and what has already aired yeah. um, and how that 
how that connects her to the story and how we how we tell that story and her connection to the other crew members and how that story is being told and how to tell that, you know, how to tell that story through music. I think that's where I like to live in terms of writing music. So I wasn't trying to be melodically like anybody else. I wasn't mm. trying to use themes from anywhere else other than in our main theme where, you know, I was like, I got a nod to yeah. do what's coming. Yeah. And, you know, part of the reason you know, I've heard various people say like, well, I don't understand like that. Fanfare is not supposed to be at the end. The fanfare starts the whole thing. And I was like, well, in my mind, if you think about it, we're, we happened 10 years before the original series. So yeah. I want to end our theme where the next theme begins, um, which was the, one of the reasons why I put the fanfare at the end and not at the beginning, you know, nice. um, in any case, I try hard to, to, um, bring our theme, especially some modernization, um, while still nodding to where it has been. Alexander Courage's fanfares, you know, you hear three notes of the fanfare, you're like, oh, Star Trek. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to sort of see how I could blend that into it. And obviously like I, I, and, and the way I began the theme with the, you know, little twinkly stuff like he did in his theme yeah. was, again, my trying to connect all of the aspects of all of these shows and, and bring it all together into one thing. I think it, it does that really nicely. You know, the, as you say, the twinkly stuff at the end. I love the idea that that's why you put the uh, the the horns at the end. I, that that I think makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I I mean, yeah. it never bothered me, but I yeah, I really like that as an idea. You know, you know, the original theme has lyrics as well. Have you ever heard this story? I, I do. I do know that. I do know that that the original theme had a lyric. Apparently, he wanted to put a lyric in for. There are a number of different stories as to why that happened and also why we never actually heard it on screen. Yes. Um, yeah. You the, know, I've never actually heard it. No, um, uh, yes, I could. If I asked somebody, maybe they could find <laughs> me. To, to I, I believe to if you go and go and look on YouTube, I believe, I think Jack Black did a performance of it at one point. Yes, the story is that Gene Roddenberry scribbled the lyrics on so he could take like half of the uh the the oh, cut half, of it half the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because jeans uh, jean so uh you know but uh always like that story so i mean you you mentioned finding different sounds how, how did you kind of find your track sound really i was just reading the first scripts and trying to figure out what the relationship was between michael burnham and Giorgio. like i had only read the very first script when I went to go write the theme. When I went to write the theme, I had no idea how the theme was going to be implemented. Right. Um, you know, whether or not there was going to be a voiceover, they never told me like, okay, there's going to be a voiceover at the beginning, you know, <laughs> space. You know, nobody said to me that there wasn't going to be. Yeah. Nobody said to me that there was. I had a script um, and I, I sat and I just read it and and sort of immersed myself in the characters and, and tried to figure out like, how I could tell their story before trying to figure out what the sound of the Klingons were, was and what the sound of, you know, 
anything else, I had to figure out what our, our main characters were going to sound like. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's, that's more about what, where I, I, I tried to take the main theme. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be a strictly orchestral score. I wanted to be a sort of hybrid of uh, electronic and orchestral. Um, I think that the or- the orchestral part is the thing that sort of keeps us connected to where the previous scores have been, um, certainly for the original series and certainly for the movies. And I wanted I wanted that to be a major component of the score, like a, a, just a, a traditional orchestral sound, strings and winds and obviously brass. And we actually have this joke whenever I'm recording the score, we actually most of the time record the strings and the woodwinds together in the morning and then the brass in the afternoon. So I have a little more control over the mix when I yeah. go to mix for the stage. And when we sit and listen to the to the brass playing, you know, as soon as the brass plays their first notes, we always sort of look at one another going, OK, there's the track score. Um, <laughs> It's that sound that makes it very Trek, the, especially in the in the big in the big swashbuckling action pieces, yeah. the big horns and the ba 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 ba. You know, all that <laughs> stuff really does lend itself to to being a very Trek sound. Um, so I knew that was going to be a part of it. And then the question was really just figuring out how to do all the rhythmic stuff. Um, and I, I, a lot of the rhythmic stuff I do is programmed. Um, and I think that that gives it a little bit more of a modern take on this type of score. Um, so that was, that was really how I sort of sat down and tried to figure out what that sound was going to be. Yeah. I noticed, I think, cause I was listening to, to some of the tracks cause the soundtrack album is, is available, isn't it now? So, uh, I was listening to some of the tracks there's a, a track called uh what's happening and does is am i right in thinking there's a transporter sound in that or i don't know whether it's just it sounds well, like this transporter sort of mixed in with it a lot of times i'll use i'll use some like certain sound effects to try to achieve a certain thing on screen right. um so it is possible in that particular let me let me look let me see <laughs> yeah that, that was it yeah. So this. So here was the thing with that particular piece that was for the Povins that was on um, in episode eight. I think. Right. We talked about needing it to be sort of a very, a very fairy tale type feeling when we first come into the this off world location. So that's not technically the sound of, of a uh, of a transporter, although you could I see how you could think that it yes. was. Yeah, I think what happens on screen is they may have been transporting and I just sort of <laughs> used a, a sound effect in order to sort of give it that feeling and what i'm positive of is when you watch it like my my sound effect is buried under the sound effects that they put in (laughs) for the actual transport i kept it in the i kept it in that piece for the soundtrack to sort of give it that same feeling so i guess it worked (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no definitely definitely no i just thought it was it's kind of interesting because you're given you know I suppose you have this this toy box of of things that you can Star Trek things you can play with. It must be so tempting to throw bits in when you can. You know? Well, here's here's the thing. So what I try, yeah, I mean you're right about that. Like I could get all of those sounds, but yeah. I don't ever want to compete with the sound effects department. Of course, they, yeah. 
on the mix stage, you know, I have a music editor who sits on the mix stage and his sole job for me is to make sure I'm never in competition with the sound effects people. Yes. Of course. So he's always like, turn the music up. And the sound <laughs> effects guy is like, turn up the sound effects. <laughs> so trying to find the balance between what's musical and what's non-musical yeah. um, is a big part of making any movie or te- television show or, you know, video game, anything. It's yeah. like trying to figure out how to mix it all together. So we talk a lot about that and occasionally I'll use sound in the score but I try not to do that because I just let them do that job yeah. and I do the job of just melodies <laughs> and music you know yeah, to try to emotion. but in that particular case yes I do have <laughs> access to all those sounds like the door opening sound and the phaser sound and the photon torpedo sound. And if I really wanted, I'm sure I could call CBS and be like, I need this particular sound from episode two, season one of the original series. And they'd send it to me yeah. because, you know, they could. My, yeah. I could do that. Right. <laughs> I mean, they've sent me the scores. I studied, I studied the courage score for, you know, when I added the, the fanfare at the beginning, I wanted to see how he harmonically did it on paper. So they sent me the scores, the original handwritten scores that wow. I have PDF. And it was, it's pretty incredible that uh, one of the great things about having this job is I can email this person at CBS and say, Hey, can you send me the end titles um, from season three? Cause I need to hear and see what exactly they did there. You know what I mean? I, I, I haven't done that, but I, I could, yeah. you know, that, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty great perk of the job. <laughs> Yeah, I adore Star Trek. And I've, like you, I've been watching it pretty much my entire life. So, you know, um, you're creating some themes for characters, but you're also creating things for Klingons or Vulcans or uh, and things relating to episodes as well, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, the way I the way I sort of looked at it from the very beginning was there was going to be like character themes for the important characters because they were always going to, you know, come around again. Stamets has a theme, Burnham has a theme, the Burnham and Giorgio theme. Um, and there is, there are, there are two Klingon themes, um, that sort of come and go. There are, there's a Vulcan theme that comes and goes when you see Sarek and you see, um, and you see Michael Burnham. And then we flash back to her memories of being on Vulcan as a child and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then of course, each individual episode needs yeah. its own because each, ind- even though we're a single story, each individual episode has its own thing. Like with mud, you know, um, yeah. I needed a mud theme and, you know, even the producers were like, well, maybe you could go back to the original mud theme and see if you could pull some melody from that. And I, I actually went back and listened to the, um, the score from, from, uh, I mud I did. I couldn't find anything that was useful to us in, in our yeah. version of this show. Yeah. Um, so we created a new version of the theme for mud and then a version of the, the theme for him and Stella at the end of, of that episode, which appears on the soundtrack. Um, so I do a bunch of that. So whereas some of the themes are created and I sort of go to those themes for every episode, like you'll hear the main theme alluded to mm. in a number of different cues as the episodes go, because that's the idea. The idea is we're a single show We're we're telling a story of these people on this starship. So I want to be able to pull these themes in so I can pull the listener into that and put them in that space. Mm. You know, 
we don't, you don't need a new melody for every single thing. You need a new way of telling the story. It's, you know what I mean? So I, I tend to do that a lot as the episodes sort of progress. Now in, in the upcoming chapter two or, you know, season 1.5 or however people are, are, are talking about it. Yeah. For me, it was all on season. Mm. There are a, a good deal of new, there's a good deal of new thematic material from episodes 10 through 15, because there's a good deal of new story um, and new characters and new, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've had to adjust and add new themes as I go along. For me, I'm just starting to write episode 115 today. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting how we're tying the whole, we're, we're tying the entire season together. It's really, it's really yeah. great. Yeah. Really, really great. Well, I think people will be very excited about, uh, about episode 15. I mean, all the episodes, certainly 10 yeah. to 15, but in sitting down and watching, you know, here's the, here's the thing. One of the drags <laughs> about being a huge Star Trek fan and working on Star Trek is that I don't get to see it like a fan anymore. You know, I watch all the episodes when they're finished, because to be honest, I don't see finished episodes as I'm working on them. I see, you know, all pre-vis like pre-visual effects i see all so i don't get to see finished versions of the show until i actually stream it like when i watch it (laughs) with my kids i'm sitting there watching it with my kids and i'm seeing things that i've never seen before so in that way i get to experience it but the stories i don't get to experience in the same way because i know what's going to happen obviously and that's that's the one the one drag about about doing it like if there is a drag and there isn't really a drag about working on stuff Star Trek because I'm the most excited guy to do that. Yeah. But that's the one thing is I don't get to experience in that way. But you know, I, I get I get over that. <laughs> I get over that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, you hear the the guys are when they uh, when they get killed off inevitably in something like Game of Thrones, they say, Well the nice thing is I can go home and watch it now. So right. <laughs> So true. Yeah, so. It's so true. Like, you know, you, you don't get to, you really don't get to experience it as a fan anymore. Yeah. But I, I do, like I said, I do to a certain degree because I never get to really see finished versions of, because they're working on the up until like three days before it goes to air, five days before it goes to air. It's, it's pretty crazy. incredible. The turnaround is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, turnaround in, in TV uh, just astonishes me from, from, I mean, your stuff right through to the visuals and everything. It's nuts. Yeah. It's everybody working on, on, um, you know, a hundred percent, 110% at all times. Yeah. The other show, I mean, there's so many things we should talk, talk to you about. Cause I mean, I'm a huge fan of like Lucifer and bull and, and the night of, I loved as well. But the other thing which really, stands out for me as just being so interesting and different is Legion. Mm, just wait till you see season Yeah, I mean, season one was the most bonkers show I've seen <laughs> in a long time. I absolutely loved it. We've been huge fans and talked it up quite a lot. I sh- oh, I should should say, actually, just as a side note, we drew the uh, Geek Town Awards today. Nice. And you did quite well, because Fargo won Best Limited Series, Star Trek Discovery Woo! won Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Series, and Lucifer came second <laughs> in the comic book series. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, I know it's not an Emmy, but... <laughs> hey, you know, I, the, the thing that I love the most about that kind of thing is that it's just a weird of knowing that people are watching and, and, and digging what we're doing, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, and getting it. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, that's it. It's voted for by the public, you know, the UK, 
TV watching public. So uh, yeah, I thought you'd like that. So, <laughs> but yes, um, Legion, we absolutely adored it. And um, listening through to the music for that, the 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 soundtrack is almost as schizophrenic as the as the uh, the actual show itself. Because I mean, there's kind of electronica in there. There's orchestra. You've got like pianos and strings. There's some rock bandy stuff you've got stuff based around bird sounds you've got like acquiring crickets for the interval one track <laughs> which I, I mean it's it's as crazy a soundtrack as the show really but i mean beautifully done where on earth do you start with something like that one of the greatest uh, this is going to sound crazy um but one of the greatest joys i have as a composer is is on the stuff that i work with noah hawley mm. who, um who is the the creator and and showrunner for Fargo and the creator and showrunner for Legion. He has some very crazy ideas and also allows me to have the space to create in inside of his insane, you know, creativity. Um, So we talked about like on that, for that particular piece of music, choir and crickets, his, his thing was he was describing to me the scene, which was that Lenny puts the headphones on Sid and he described, this was before I saw it. He hmm. said, so Lenny's going to put the, the headphones on Sid and she's going to be put to sleep or in a trance-like state. And it's going to start with the sound of crickets, like, because that's the thing. There's going to be crickets and that maybe puts her to sleep. And my idea was, well, so what if there's voices and what if they start singing and what if the crickets are singing and what if the crickets then become a part of the music? And what I did was I found the sounds of crickets and then, you know, they're all sort of all over the place. And then all of a sudden they start to chirp in time and then the choir starts to sing along with it and that's the thing that becomes mesmerizing that's the thing that becomes trans you know puts her into this trance Mm. um and and he was like yeah that's great choir and crickets and that's where the title of the thing came, (laughs) came right so it's that kind of ability to create and him allowing me to do crazy stuff. One of the things we talked about with the, with that show was always keep people guessing. Hmm. You know, if the, if the main character doesn't know what's real, let's invite the audience to also join in, in that. So with, with music, you know, I'm trying never to, never to give anything away because you're never supposed to know. And I'm never supposed to tell you musically. I'm just supposed to be there. Um, so that really gave me a very, very, very wide range that I could work in. Everything from aleatoric quartet to traditional orchestra, orchestra mm. to very electronica mm. to a hybrid of all that to rock bands sort of, you know, we talked about Pink Floyd and Pink Floyd's one of my favorite bands of all time. So I'm like, Oh my God, I get to do like a Pink Floyd type thing. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Um, so I got to do a lot of that stuff because he allowed me to do it. And he had these crazy, crazy musical ideas as well. So it's, it's, um, it comes from, it comes from many, many different places. Yeah. It's a phenomenal show and the music's great in it. Just the whole thing. You spend like the entire time just looking at it going, I have no idea what's going on, but it's brilliant. (laughs) And and then it sort of slowly starts to come together. It's great. And it's, that's sort of the idea. And as we get into season two and the storytelling in season two, what, what you come to understand is that there isn't really any understanding. You just have to sort of be along for the ride. Mm. You know, the, the, the ride is the show. That's what the show is. Um, with one thing holding the whole thing together. And that's 
David and Sid and their relationship, because really it's a love story. That's what the show is. Yeah. The show is this love story between David and Sid and everything else is sort of centered around that. Mm. And you just if you if you never lose that thought, if you never lose the understanding that things that David and Sid are the thing that the whole story is, um, if you can keep that in mind, you'll stay with the whole show and you'll get yeah. it. Yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant series. I'm so looking forward to it coming back. So uh, that's definitely on my on my top list of things. So we've been on about half an hour. I shall let you go in a, in a second. A few last things. Sure. What are you doing next? I'm I'm working on I'm finishing Star Trek. I'm now fully on, full on working on Legion. Yeah. Um, and season two. Once that wraps. I will be working on um, a new comic-based sh- uh, show for Netflix called Umbrella Academy, oh, which is we've we've been talking about this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We're really looking forward to it. So yes. yeah, it, it's a, it's a very very interesting, very interesting show, very interesting take on on um, on the book, um, which is is pretty incredible. Yeah, um, and then starting a movie with Noah's Noah's doing a movie in. The in the fall and i think we're also doing dr doom if i'm not mistaken you said something about doing dr doom which is a movie you know uh, based on the the dr doom character Uh, um yeah for some reason i i I now have been thrust into this sort of comic book sci-fi thing which (laughs) i never you know i never really thought that i would be sort of immersed in this world. Um, even though I'm a huge, that's the thing is, is it's probably because I'm such a huge fan of the genre. Yeah. Um, but, but coming from doing Fargo and the night of, which are very dramatic yeah. and sometimes quirky, but definitely not, not at all sort of sci-fi in nature. Although with Fargo in season three, there, there was that one, episode that or yes. episode three with some crazy sci-fi cartoon in it yeah. um so th- those are things that are that are upcoming for me those those couple of things are upcoming for me well yes i'm now even more excited for umbrella academy that i mean that that i'm really looking forward to be so, a lot of fun. yeah so that looks like it's good I, i'll finish with my last two traditional questions first one is uh, what tv shows are you watching at the moment you know it's interesting i, d- I don't have that much of a chance to watch and i i have little interest in in watching television um only because i i work in i work yeah, in the yeah. medium but i will say the crown is spectacular yes um, yes gorgeous gorgeous show yeah. um and handmaid's tale i i really did enjoy watching some handmaid's tale other than those two which i've gotten a chance to binge on my break yeah you know and that was the only reason why i was able to watch any of them <laughs> um the crown mainly because my wife loves it and watches it, it religiously so i've sort of been sucked in because of that mm. um and handmaid's tale because i've worked with people who are also working on that show right. so I, I sort of have that reason to to, <laughs> to watch other than that like i'm watching star trek yeah i i watch and then what i work on it and then i watch again yeah. as a fan, as a viewer, you know, and then I try to go see movies because, um, that medium is always fun because it's, you know, it's a completely different experience going to a theater to seeing films. Right. Um, and I love working on films because 
of the scale and the scope, which is a different scope than, than working in television. So I enjoy, I enjoy going to see, I saw star, I saw star Wars, which I enjoyed. Um, and as, as a huge star Wars fan, it's like, I'm, I'm reading all this, I'm reading all this, um, controversy on online and I, I find it funny. It's like, I feel like if you're in, if you're entertained be entertained, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's what we're doing. We're, yeah. We're trying to entertain people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, which show would it be? You know, Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone, uh, and, and apparently there's going to be a new I was going to say, they're bringing that back. So. Yeah, yeah. So I might have to call somebody and see if I can get, <laughs> get a do one of them. You know, in the same way that they do Black Mirror, you know, they it was an individual little mini movie every, every week. Um, and that, that to me is the interesting part is that you write an entire score for one single episode, like you're making a mini movie and that, that, and those shows were great. Those, those shows were great. So I'm hoping that the new versions are going to be great. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's one of, I can't remember which one it's one of key and peel, isn't it? That's that apparently is attached to it. Uh, yes. I the think, I think the, it is. Jordan, I think it's Jordan um, Jordan Peele. That looks like it It could be uh, pretty decent. So yeah, you never know. Maybe you'll get a chance if you can fit it in with everything else. <laughs> I would, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. I shall uh, let you get back to uh, your day. I have a cue I must write. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So I shall let you get back to your Star Trek composing. Thank you for coming on and talking to me. Hopefully we'll get to talk sometime again in 12 months or so when you got... 12 more shows under your belt of things. <laughs> I do hope so. <laughs> awesome. Well, have a great day. I will uh, talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. That was the interview with Jeff Russo. I hope you really enjoyed that. If you want to catch Star Trek Discovery, that's coming on Netflix uh, weekly, so you can go and watch that. Legion will be back later on in the year. Uh, Lucifer is running weekly on Amazon. If you want to catch that, you can see there's so many shows I can't go through them all. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> So yes, that's all this stuff. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the Umbrella Academy as well, which we've been talking about at various points. So I'm really looking forward to that coming as well. With that out of the way, let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We kick off with Vikings Season 4 Part 2. That's going to the History Channel. So this is already aired on Amazon Prime, but it's coming to the History Channel. So if you haven't got Amazon Prime, this is where you can watch it. That's on the 9th of January at 9pm. Great series. Really enjoying that if you uh, haven't watched it yet. It's well worth going to see. How to Get Away with Murder Season 4. That's coming to Sky Living on the 9th of January at 10pm. I don't Have you caught any of those yet? They're no no they're it, good yeah it's it's a really i mean it, it's a shondaland series and gets a bit kind of silly and shondalandy throughout it but <laughs> but uh it, it does suck you in quite a lot it's um it's very entertaining watch if you want to go and see that it's on sky living bull again another show that i really enjoyed season one of that i mean it's traditional sort of procedural stuff but i 
yeah, it, it's a well-written one. 12th of January at 10pm for that. Uh, Lethal Weapons, season two of that coming to ITV on the 12th of January as well. That's at 9pm. Uh, Bob's Burgers back for its eighth season on Comedy Central. That's on 12th of January at 10pm. I've, I've seen that, Dave. It's really good. That's uh, one that I've not caught up with, but I know you were a big fan of that. So uh, that's good. There is a new show coming to Netflix called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman, which not unsurprisingly stars David Letterman. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's an interesting one, this, because it's a six-part talk show, but they're only releasing one a month. So oh, wow. it starts on the 12th of January. That will be the first one. And then presumably the 12th of February will be the next one. But uh, he's got some very interesting guests, as the title would suggest. George Clooney, Jay-Z, Tina Fey, Howard Stern, Matalani Yousafi. I think his name, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, but it's kicking off with President Barack Obama. So worth it's, going, uh, it's uh, worth uh, it You know, this is Obama's first interview since he left office, oh, I believe. Oh, right, that'd be interesting. So definitely going to be one to watch, I think, that. I wonder um, if it's Big Beard Letterman. Letterman, Letterman it is. It is. Beard. It is. From all the production bits I've seen, it looks like it is Big Bearded Letterman. Excellent. So, uh, yes, the Le- Letterman in the jungle. <laughs> Couldn't for Obama, stay for the beard. Yes. That's something else I've been watching, to speaking of people with beards, actually. Um, uh, the other thing that I've been watching, That's which just. Uh, um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which is on How Netflix. Is that? Yeah. Um, it's really good. I know it's been on as a web series, and the, the beard thing reminded me because he did Stephen Colbert who had a just as he was about to start his new late night gig and he'd already grown quite a large beard. So uh, that that just reminded me. But yes, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. They're about 15 to 20 minutes each episode. It's great if you're kind of going to get food and you want something just to watch while you're eating. Really good show for that. Entertaining, funny. It's one of those things that you get to the end of it and think, oh, I'll go and do something else. And then the, the next episode starts and it's somebody you really like and you're like, oh, what's this <laughs> one now? So um, yeah, really fun. Really, really fun. Well, well worth going to watch. Where were we? Taken season two. That's coming on to Amazon Prime on the 13th of January, which is the, I haven't watched the first season of that, but I it sort of, I think they've retooled it quite a lot for the second season. So we'll see. Uh, gifted the last three episodes of that because it's only a 13 episode season but that's coming back to Fox on the 14th of January at 9pm so I think that's everything for this week it's been a fairly long show so <laughs> have you uh, got any New Year's resolutions Dave? no don't make New Year's resolutions because I just end up <laughs> breaking them so uh, why bother? <laughs> no, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, any for you? no me either this is, I wish I hadn't brought it up frankly <laughs> <laughs> if you have made any hopefully you're sticking to them one of your new new year's resolutions should be to go and check out the website more often which you can get at geektown.co.uk to find all the latest uk air data info and uh, news and stories and all that good stuff if you want to get in touch with us you can send us your questions and comments on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall be back next week see you then bye bye happy new year
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.